You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Ask Drone You. I'm officially back in the office and happy to be here, grateful to be here. Good to have you back. With uh, with the guy who is the glue to this business. But as always, my name is Paul. And my name is Rob. And yeah, super cool to be back in the saddle, if you will. It's a bit of a different saddle, but I'm kind of digging it. Yeah, we actually are doing this right now because we have got two very famous firefighters here shooting our new public safety course uh, as we launch that uh, through our props program. And for many of you who are not familiar with the props program, remember DroneU is built to serve pilots, right? We're supposed to prop you up and give you everything that you need to know to start a successful business. Turn that passion into profit. So that way, when you hit a flying job and operation, you can do it with confidence, get in, get out, make your money, be efficient and move on to the next fun project. But when it comes to props, it's all about building drone teams. And it's all about creating professional, reliable, operators who practice safety. Yep, that's right. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? It does. And I also (laughs) like giving people props, you know what I mean? There you go. Yeah, dual meaning. It's probably got even more meanings than dual. But anyways. Anyways, if you haven't checked it out, make sure to check that out, propsflightschool.com. But as many of you know, uh, I have been away for about two months now handling family issues. Uh, As some of you know who follow me on Instagram, my uh, father is not doing very well. I would actually argue both my parents are not doing very well. And uh, had to go out east and take care of them. And I wanted to answer one quick question that we've been getting a lot. I know a lot of you have been kind of texting me on Instagram talking about that you've seen Haya doing a different news show. And I would say it was news to me after leaving and going to go take care of my family. I came back to this news and uh, I'm not really sure much what else to say about it, Rob. Well, I think we'll just leave it at this. We were surprised. We were disappointed, but we also know that Hai has been going through some tough times and we wish him the best and uh, we will all move forward. And as we move that's, forward, that's what we do. <laughs> that's exactly right. And as we move forward, just remember that uh, your business has built on relationships and sometimes, um, you know, Yeah, you want to assume the best out of everyone, but just don't forget, trust but verify, right? There's a lot of different ways to do that. And as many of you know, we've been talking about that on the show for years. And just remember, trust but verify. It's just so important. The other thing, too, that I've been learning, Rob, is that we can't get too mm, emotional or too sensitive because uh, while we think and we feel good in the moment about it, uh, it might not actually show well. Yeah, I mean, there have been some important people in my life that have made something very clear to me over the years that's really stuck with me, and that is don't have too high highs and too low lows. I'm guilty of that. Kind of <laughs> like the uh, top three or four real estate markets in America. They wow. go like this, right? Yeah. Try to be more like this. Yeah. And I think you'll uh, be better served throughout your life. Totally. And yes, but let's move on to another happy subject. There is a lot of good news going on. A lot of drone pilots are getting more work, myself included, actually. In fact, I'm really excited to announce that I'm kind of getting back into the surf industry. That's good for you. 
Well, it, it's my fuel, Rob. It's wow. one of the, in order to be able to teach people from experience and do these challenging jobs uh, that a lot of other people simply don't do, it provides me an avenue to help other people and learn these problems that I've learned in these nuanced environments. And right, yeah. and when we can teach from multiple environments, it really provides a superior advantage to all the other quote unquote uh, trainers in the industry. Because yeah. when we can train from all these different environments, environments that showcase different problems, we can teach you about those instead of you learning them uh, on the fly and potentially having some disastrous effects. But indeed, everyone has their fuel. And so there's there's a lot of good news, like I said. Um, and, and more good news is we are excited, as many of you know, to be getting back into in-person trainings. You know, we kind of announced this before I left, but we've got one coming up in July. And for all of you wondering, we're going to be adding a lot more trainings uh, beyond July. And we're also going to be trying something new. So stay tuned because we have a new style of training coming up. This is something that uh, all of you actually have been asking for for a very long time, an experience experience style training. So it's not just a flight training, but it's also kind of job based training. And we're going to launch those. Uh, we're going to do some in Texas this summer. We're really excited to do this. I think it provides some great hands on experience for all of you. And uh, stay tuned. But before we do any more shameless plugs here, let's get right into the question, uh, which is going to be brought up by all those shameless plugs, or excuse me, sponsored <laughs> by all those shameless plugs um, that we just did, including this one. If you want to take advantage of our semester style mapping boot camp. So instead of the mapping boot camp over three days, you know, we do it in the evenings from four to six thirty mountain time. And I will say after doing the first two, it is amazing how retention is improved, how oh, yeah. how students involvement has improved and seeing some of the models from the last class is just absolutely spectacular. So really, it, really, really excited on that. It's been a hit. Yeah, most definitely. There's uh, a lot to be said for spreading the learning out. True. And I think we're seeing that. True. And, uh, it's bearing fruit, which is really, really cool. That's what we want. We want people to have success. And this is helping people do that. So if you want to sign up for the drone mapping and modeling boot camp, that's our semester style class, just go to thedroneu.com and go to uh, events that are coming up and you can sign up for that class. We did just send out an email to, to everyone who is subscribed to our newsletter. So check it out. I was recently involved in a search and rescue operation for a lost dog. The method I was using was trying to find the last reported location of the dog and then just flying around the area. The dog, of course, was mobile and all over the place. And I was wondering if there's any suggested method that you would recommend for finding a mobile target. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate the question. So one thing that Carl doesn't mention is, did they find the dog? So I'm just going to assume that they did because I want to assume the positive. But anyways. Well, it's good to know that we've got an optimist on the team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say based off of the sound, this tone of voice, it didn't sound very uh positive. But this brings up a very important... I'm writing my own ending, but carry on. No, no. It brings up an important point, which is you sh if you're a drone pilot and you think search and rescue is cool, you probably shouldn't do it if you can't handle 
the fact that you don't find someone. And if uh. it, you've got to be able to speak to the team and say, look, I was unable to help, et cetera, et cetera. And you got to be able to swallow that tough pill, you know? True. Um, because hard. sometimes there's a problem where people just want to get involved with search and rescue. They're so giddy and excited about it. They want to help. They want to help, but they've never really faced the hard truth of what if they don't help? And, and yeah. I have to say, there's a lot of drone pilots that I've seen out there that are getting involved in search and rescue. They're not really educated on it. And it makes you wonder the time sometimes that they waste, could that time have been used in a better fashion? Yeah. I guess we'll never know. It's probably good that we don't. Yeah. And these are all folks that mean well. I mean, I think uh, for the most part, they are just trying to help, right? But they are just trying to help. And so this is uh, this is a question. I don't want to get your demeanor down to the ground here, Rob, but no, this is, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> excuse me. Um, this is one particular question. Uh, I was really excited about personally, because as many of you know, we do have a search and rescue class. To be clear, it does not cover thermal yet. Uh, we're going to be adding to that search and rescue class to include the thermal aspect of it. I mean, we have thermal principles in there, but not really thermal flights and whatnot. Um, the search and rescue class really focuses on systematic methods of image capture and then utilizing different softwares to essentially autonomously scan those images to find uh, particular individuals, subjects, animals, etc. But the reason that I think we decided to take on this question is because part of the search and rescue class is talking to exactly what this caller mm -hmm. asked. And, and by the way, thank you very much for your question. Um, be sure to go to askdroneu.com if any of you have a question. But when it comes to the last known position, this is actually a part of the sequence of the class uh, that PJ taught, by the way. Um, and a lot of what PJ taught was really kind of utilizing uh, books and methodologies from people who have been doing this for a very long time. It's just kind of taking that information and going a little bit further. And there are, I would say, four specific acquisition methods hmm that can be utilized when looking at the last known position of a particular subject. Um, we have the ever-expanding circle. There's a name for that. I just can't remember the name at the moment. We have, uh, you know, uh, a grid search. So, you know, utilizing autonomous uh, mapping softwares to help us fly a grid pattern in an autonomous means to ensure that we actually are searching a given search area, that we don't miss any part of that search area because you know just as you were alluding to in pre-show well what if the dog is moving well, right like the question askers that's his whole point well the dog and is moving but if we're not covering a let's say that you know uh, my computer is the entire search area right one of two points point number one in our course we actually talk about a very specific book um, that discusses the behavior of humans and the mm. statistical analysis of what they do when they go missing or if they're in a particular state of mind. Mm. So we break down the subjects and then statistically where those subjects are found within a given radius. So it really helps us better understand this area to search. Okay. But with the mapping acquisition software, we can ensure that we're actually systematically covering that entire search area. Right. My point is this, is if someone just goes to the last known point and they just kind of fly around willy nilly, how are you going to verify that you actually covered 
the entire search area. Did you capture images? Did you capture video? I prefer imagery over video uh, because you just get such a better look, more definition, um, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so my point is number one, obviously this is a dog, not a human. So we don't really have statistics and we didn't use statistics in the class for lost dogs. But as far as lost humans are concerned, we can break that down and utilize uh, past search and rescues to know what area to search. And then we can use applications, PIX4D, I would say measures the best case in this particular uh, instance, because hmm. measure actually what it does is in real time projects the area that you have already shot and mapped. So you can see in real time, like where you're shooting and the overlap, and you can see where all the shots are that you took. If you're not using measure, and let's say that you use PIX40 Capture, Drone Deploy, uh, Maps Made Easy. Um, by the way, we have a lot of news coming out on all these mapping. There's so much change in the mapping industry right now, it's insane. But long story short is no matter what app you use, if you're not able to see a projection of what you have mapped, what we teach in the search and rescue class is to use PIX40 React because it's the only program that doesn't actually import photos to run a process to then give you an answer to where all the images are that you took and to tell you, did you actually cover the entire search area? Pix4D React just rips the EXIF data and gives you all these dots on a map to show you, did you actually cover these areas? Because also sometimes we think we're covering an entire area and the drone doesn't capture photos in a particular location. This is kind of a double verification, Rob. But in that particular case, it's giving you dots of where you've been and what you've flown over, but is it giving you the data to actually find what you're looking for? No, no, React does not do that. It does not give us the data to try to find what we're actually looking for. So it in does, that scenario, what does do that part of the process? Well, um, as many of you know that we have had classes on the program Locate. Um, there have actually been some, there was a study that came out because uh, someone reached out to me about it and they're like, you know, I'm really questioning if this actually works. And I would say all the experiments that we ran on it, uh, it, it was working, but we are... We mastered a different program hmm. and we can actually teach that program and we can teach law enforcement and public safety. We can teach them how to teach the program, meaning we can actually help utilize machine learning to hone in on these results to get better and better and better and better results. Hmm. So if we're seeing we're getting a lot of false positives and whatnot, we can actually teach the software to remove those false positives. And so here's what I'm saying. Locate, as many of you know, when we systematically capture a lot of photos in a given area, which by the way, that would be my answer to his question is he goes, you know, I know the last known point, but how do I actually search? Well, step number one is you've got to know your search area location and how far a dog could travel in any given time, which is quite far. Yeah. Um, so you might only be able to search a certain amount of space, but at least as long as you are continually flying and expanding that search area and you're doing it in a systematic means, right? The class goes over four different ways. I just gave you two ways, the autonomous grid and the ever expanding circle. Um, those are two different uh, acquisition formats. And Litchi is the only program that does the ever expanding circle, by the way. It's really mm. big in search and rescue. Um, sorry, go ahead. 
No, no, no. I'm still, I'm just trying to figure out how are you going to find a dog that's moving? So just practically speaking, are you, so for example, would it work to use something like React to make sure you're covering everything, but you've got a live feed and a big screen and you've got like three, three or two or four, however many people looking at the screen while you're flying over with live video feed and they're looking for the dog? Could you do, like, I how mean, are you going to actually do the search for a moving dog? So, I mean, honestly, once again, I, what I would do, well, what I would do and what's taught in the class, I think are two different things. So to be clear, what's taught in the class is in a given scenario, um, PJ, I think did teach that if you have a team big enough where you can have a screen plugged into your remote so that people can review the mission in real time mm -hmm. before we actually run those photos to do an autonomous search, that is taught in the course, right? And we now, we also know that the human eye was made to pick up motion, right? Yeah. So if we have someone staring at that screen, chances are they might be able to pick up motion. My point was the autonomous mission ensures that we actually covered a right. specific area. But to your to your to your question, excuse me, you could probably do, you know, video from above and look for motion. But that said, it doesn't solve our problem of ensuring that we actually we actually searched an entire given area, which I Correct. think is a very common problem mm -hmm. that oftentimes drones are just thrown up. My next thing is what what do you think the dog is going to be if the dog ran away or it got off the leash? Where do you think it's going to go? Depends. Water, food. But like if there's a rabbit, it's going to go pew, and it's going to chase the rabbit. I mean, it just, true. it's going to be distracted by a lot of different things potentially. That is true. And those are unknown unknowns, right? Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. what we can do is try to solve for as many knowns as possible, mm. right? Ensuring that we've got a, a, a strategic search area. We're covering the entire search area. We, if we really want to be comprehensive, having someone watching the live feed while we're mapping, I definitely think is a, is a brilliant means of going. I don't think every team has that equipment and manpower. Sure. Um, and just knowledge of how to set that up quickly, especially. Yeah. And I mean, yes. I mean, that goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this show is that here at DroneU, we teach you how to be efficient, knowledgeable, build routines and habits so you can go out and nail jobs yeah. the first time, you know? Right. Absolutely. So one thing that we haven't talked much about is the option of using thermal and how effective that could be in this situation. I think that would probably be a lot more effective. So frankly. if you marry thermal with people watching the feed... And they're now looking for movement and a color. Yeah. Now you might be golden. Well, but it seems like to really be effective, you might need something like that. And I honestly would argue that in this particular case, I would probably fly a thermal drone first mm -hmm. before I threw up a mapping drone to like search yeah. the photos because we have seen so much success with thermal. And just because it does provide... A, in very specific cases, by the way, not in every case, but it does provide a means of finding the needle in the haystack, right? right. Of seeing the heat signature from an animal or, or a human uh, over the ambient environment. It's just that as we approach summer, as it gets hotter, the deviation of temperature between the human and the ground is going to be getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. So that's why thermal is not always the answer, right? It depends on the time of day. It depends on ground temperature, et cetera. Yeah, I'm sure. just trying to cover all the bases here, Rob. No, right? that's a great point. So the only conclusion that I can reach 
with all of this said is that everybody should make their dogs wear a bright orange sweater at all times. So I mean, that, you can. that little pet fawn thing that I have that has the radar GPS yeah. and cell built into it, it's worked pretty good. That's a good point. Yeah. Or you can wear, you can put a, a tracker on your dog for a couple hundred bucks, depending on how important your, your dog is. And by the way, I have two dogs um, and I love them. So I might put an orange sweater on them. Well, I, I think to recap kind of the, the, the caller's question here, to be succinct as possible, is that the answer... Too late, but go ahead. <laughs> the, the answer is probably, you know, throwing up a thermal drone. Again, you want to have some sort of strategic flight path to ensure your covering of particular yeah. area and you're comprehensively covering it. Thermal is probably the way to go first. If I could have my way, I would have two pilots, one flying thermal, hmm. someone else watching the screen, the second drone doing a mapping mission because time is of the essence, as many of you know. True. And also that's something that we talk about in the search and rescue class. Of course. Yeah. We have to. Critical. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so Rob's done. We're moving on. If you want to check out the search and no, rescue. I'm not done. I'm... Well, you, you, want, you want to make sure that we succinctly answer the show as best as possible, right? And provide well, the best recap. That's true. So do you. This is true. Um, <laughs> but that said, if you want to check out our search and rescue class, we actually have a deal on the website for law enforcement and public safety. Uh, if you purchase a search and rescue landing pad, you can get the course for free. The course is also available to members. It's another reason why you want to be a Drone U member. Anyway, that's going to do it for us today. My name is Paul. I'm Rob. This is Ask Drone U. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, Experts and apprentices, we are creators. We are the Drone Youth.